If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying. Is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted. Is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Come all, you are listening to the Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, I, I'm not gonna lie, I, I kind of enjoyed your uh, your your singing version of that intro with the the type beast. Man, hey, I can I, I can sing this intro too. Uh, I can sing this intro too, but I'm gonna have to get uh, the listeners to at least five listeners to say they want me to um, sing it. I'll sing it. Actually, make it ten. Make it you want to hear uh, the the serenade version of this intro? Is that what you're saying? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, man. Hey, man. I I, I got pipes. I got pipes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely better than I do. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is an interesting one, man. Uh, th- this topic, as we'll as we'll get into, has uh, caused a little bit of controversy in uh, Christian circles as well as. Uh, obviously the general political divide on any given issue. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think, you know, Joe Biden forgiving, forgiving student loans applies to everybody. It hits everybody differently. Uh, I used to actually work uh, in student loans. Yes, I used sir. to work in student loans for a long time. Uh, so it's funny. Can, can it, we say that uh, at this point that you've uh, recorded undercover a couple times? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure, man. <laughs> Um, and it, and it's double duty, double, double duty, man. Well, yo, man, it, hey, man, you got to do what you got to do to give the listeners what they want, right? Oh, if um, they only knew what it took. A hard work, hard work <laughs> yeah, and determination, man. man. But yeah, yeah no, no. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. This is like been a conversation I've been having with um, the customers um, when I was at student loans, um, the loan payers and about loan forgiveness and what that looks like. So um, this is going to be a very interesting conversation that, that I think applies to everybody because generally, especially here in Canada, um, that's it's just a way of life, um, student loans. So yeah, uh, let's let, let, let's get into it. So I have an article from uh, the Washington Post and it says, um, and this was as of, what was the date? Uh, okay, so this is as of, April 21st, but this was the summary of what they were seeing coming down the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it says uh, the federal government has long been a bit has been long been a big player in education under an expansive vision being rolled out uh, this spring by President Biden. That would change. Um, Biden has proposed or is expected to propose a half dozen education programs that would constitute the largest federal investment in education in at least half a century. Any one of them would be significant on its own. Uh, Taken together, if approved by Congress, they form a cradle-to-college plan that aims to reduce um, inequities uh, that that course through American schools by infusing hundreds of billions of dollars into virtually every level of the system. So... My first question for you on that, is there such thing as a wasteful education? 
Um, okay, well, before I answer that, I just want to also um, note that um, <laughs> just just in regards to terms, the terms of the forgiveness, because okay. people are like, oh wait, this this is great news. So yeah, okay, let's yeah yeah. yeah just make so sure we hit the I don't I, just to just to be clear, because you were reading from the April, um, yeah. there was hope for some people that the amount being forgiven would be as high as fifty thousand. And so I think in your at least the there's a political article that I'm ta- reading that says, um, you know, they they said, nope, that's not going to happen. It's only going to be the 10 grand per student uh, that yeah, will be forgiven. Uh, um, I think uh, in Sam's article, Sam says article, why Christians shouldn't support student loan forgiveness, which we'll get into. Um, he says that the um, the canceling was between uh, 10,000 and 20,000. Yeah. In student right? loan debt, yeah. per debtor. And we'll apply, yeah, we'll apply to individuals who earn less than 125000 a year. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good good summary. Um, yeah. And so, but there was hope, I guess, from the some of the Democrats or more progressives that it would be 50000 forgiven, not just 10 or, or yeah, 20. Yeah. But, but back to your question is there such thing as wasted, wasted a wasteful education? education? A wasteful education. Are you talking about the, the, the education? The school, the teacher, or you mean the student? Uh, the pro, like I'm thinking of more like, let's say I took a university course, a program mm-hmm. and completed the program. Because yeah. I think what you were originally going to answer, a yes. wasted then education. Yes. Then my answer is yes. <laughs> a wasted education, I would say yes, that's, but that's dependent on the student. What I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at is, could you get an education that actually was a waste of time when it's all said and done? Um, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and so the reason I asked that question is, you know, they use the term, oh, this represents investment. But again, this is government speak. It doesn't represent investment. It represents spending, which they equate to investment. But I could spend money for someone to dig a hole and fill it back in. Does mm-hmm. that constitute an investment? Mm-hmm. No, that's spending that was meaningless. Okay. So then, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, just the point here that I'm trying to come back around full circle is that I can spend money on education. I could learn a whole bunch of stuff, but if it doesn't apply, it doesn't make me earn more money. It doesn't reap benefits in my life. Well, then I would say it was a wasteful education because you spent, let's just say four years consuming this information and and not working, spending time developing, but then the development never actually be, is implemented. Okay. And so what are the political implications um, of canceling student loans? Democrats trying to get reelected in the fall. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I, I mean, it, it, I think, um, so I heard this on the human action podcast. I think I'll put it in the show notes page. Um, they were discussing this and, and, and as a political commentary point, they said, this will do really well with Democrats. Um, I think one of the stats they mentioned was that two thirds of student loans are with females and females okay. tend to vote more democratic in the States anyways. Um, and so between basically they were sort of mentioning the, the Dobbs case and this, those outcomes will lead to a little bit of a push uh, in terms of Democrats polling they expect. And again, this is uh, the, Mises Institute podcast, so very libertarian, I'll call it relatively independent on terms of Democrat or Republican in terms of those comments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think, uh, you know, well, part of it too, politically, right, Biden has to keep his promise. And this was one of his promises about uh, higher education um, reform. 
right? Mm -hmm, Forming mm -hmm. higher education. And so the man's got to keep his promise, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And, and that's where, um, you know, midterms, if anything, like I would speculate, why couldn't they done this in year one? Well, you do it in year two because mm -hmm. you like, you pull all the punches last minute, you know, think come it's you know politics is johnny come lately kind of concept right whatever whatever's front of mind when you're in the voting booth and so passing this a year and a half in or a, you know a year and eight months into his administration makes a lot more sense than day one on uh mm -hmm. you know yeah executive order or something and and also I'd, I'd like to add that when you look at the us coming out of or we're still just about coming out of uh covid um, and the lockdowns and putting student loans on hold, which was a big thing. So we can also look at it from a, per a perspective where people have not been paying their student loans um, since COVID hit. And so as we head into September, um, right, usually this is around the time when the student loan will open up for payment. And so you're mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, th th this would be really good timing to say, okay, well, look, let's just wipe it out. So mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much what you're saying applies. That's, I think what you're talking about is a little bit Canadian specific. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the interest forgiveness uh, slash charging of interest rates uh, doesn't quite apply the same way it does in Canada. So for a Canadian, for our American listeners, Canadians basically get exempt from interest on their student loans until six months post education. And then if you don't have uh, oh, yeah, full time. Yeah full-time employment, they defer the interest even further. Whereas I think the American loans, they might start accruing interest day one. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's, so there's like a six month grace period after you finish your student loans where you don't pay interest and then you can delay uh, the interest with uh repayment assistance. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Which is so, the application we send out and then, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. Yeah. So, I mean, the Canadian question, right? Like, do we anticipate this coming to Canada? I mean, I already sort of started was talking about how it was different. You know, do we do we see a, a debt forgiveness program in, in or student debt forgiveness program in Canada? Yes. Next question, please. <laughs> well, I will uh, respectfully disagree <laughs> because um, I think the, the biggest thing is that we have a, a very substantial sort of assistance already. Um, we don't, and we don't have the massive debt that the Americans have because we also don't have the massive tuition that the Americans have. Um, I mean, that's a that's a very long conversation that we could go down a little bit, but I think I'll wait till we get to the economics piece to to touch on a little bit more. Yeah, but in Canada, we're just, you know, like we said, you get interest free from day one. Plus, all of these loans are technical, like OSAP is i want to say a government loan as a in contrast to the americans it's sort of government backed loans um as or government guaranteed loans part of that guarantee is that when you go bankrupt you, in the Amer in the states you cannot uh expunge this debt so if you go bankrupt the debt just the the student loan debt continues this is part of the problem um not to mention the true lender uh, is a little bit vague if we if we want to go down that road. But yeah. in Canada, I think our system is so fundamentally different. Our cost of education is so fundamentally lower uh, that I don't think it's a large enough issue to garner the same sort of political clout. Um, I think the NDP has been talking about free education for a long time. 
And, and I just, I don't think that we have the same desire for it because it's so much like you could go to school in Canada with residency for four years for less than a hundred grand. Whereas like America is like 50 grand a year for with residency. So, I mean, and that a hundred grand is like the, I want to say almost the top for any undergrad. Um, you're probably looking at somewhere in the range of like 20 to 50,000 for four years in Canada in an undergrad program, assuming you're not uh, taking residence, like you're, you're living at home, let's say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think, for example, like you just said, um, our student loan system isn't the US student loan system. Um, right? Um, the gun issues that they have in the US are not the Canadian gun issues. But still, mm -hmm. we have a bet yeah. on guns. Yeah, fair, right? Um, no, yes. and all, all I'm saying, well, you know, you're arguing from reason. Yeah, right? Trudeau's no. not using reason. No, right? no, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'll give you this point. Have... I'll give you that point that it that the American hype could lead to Canadian action. That's okay. my point. So outside of that, the the Canadian student loan issue is not substantial enough right now if um, if the political sphere in canada can figure out a way to exploit this issue okay 100 they will i just don't think the issue is substantial enough to have a substantial enough support that it would justify a particular given action like the gun ban stuff it's all based on you know perception right nobody largely student loans can be perception but but student loans is an issue that I think most people are affected by is when it is, is important to them. When you're not affected with guns are totally different. I would say the vast majority of Canadians are unaffected by guns, but the but the gun issues affects their perceptions in Canada. I don't. And again, I would say debt forgive. Everyone's got some sort of well, not everybody. Most people have some sort of debt. Right. I've, I've seen lots of joke memes saying my um, car loan and my mortgage identifies as student loans. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think I think so you have so much other forms of debt that people, especially in Canada, when when student loan is such a small portion of their debt portfolio, um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that you can leverage the hype in the states the same way, whereas the gun issue, I think you're dead on. That we don't even have the gun activity issue. We're just leveraging the news to to implement policies. Amen. When 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 King Trudeau talks, things happen. If you you know he, he if anybody can leverage if anybody can leverage anything, you know he, he's he makes things happen, man. So I would the point is that I wouldn't be surprised, um, especially with the idea like you just said about free education, um, and that being something that a lot of. Uh, that kind of kind of pushes where this conversation is going. Um, we're like, well, why don't why don't we just wipe out the ultimate goal should be just to wipe out all student loan debt and tuition and education should be free. Um, and that's something mm -hmm. I could definitely see Trudeau getting behind. Yeah, no, and, and I think uh, let's call it complete socialization of of second or post secondary education. I would say yes, but that's a that's a whole different ballgame than than student loan forgiveness. Um, but I don't disagree. I think I think that would be the Canadian course of action, and I don't disagree that they might leverage this issue or this political climate to take advantage of it. So, uh, I mean, I think the the best thing now, probably where we might want to spend a bunch of our time, is sort of the economic 
perspective on this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the great question to ask that I've sort of already started teasing a bit in my answers is what are the unintended consequences of loan forgiveness? Yeah. Right. Or, or just let's say government intervention too. Um, but, but you know, what are the unintended consequences of this? Oh, well, you're going to have, well, in my mind, um, my calculations serve me correctly. Uh, I think more people will, um, it would give people more incentive to get student loans in the hopes of um, their student loans ultimately being forgiven. So they, what, what will happen is that you'll have a lot of people in school who shouldn't be in school, uh, who shouldn't be in college or university, um, who should just be, you know, working a regular job or even maybe they're entrepreneurs, but um, but usually entrepreneurs don't get suckered into things like that. So, but yeah, what do you think, Joel? Yeah, no, I think, I think your point about entrepreneurs, um, in today's education climate, I think entrepreneurs are largely, um, sort of self-created, like it's, it's their natural skills as opposed to something they're educated into, um, for the, for the most part. So yeah, to your point, I don't think they'll get suckered in. Um, I think, when it comes to unintended consequences, it's it's a bit of a heavy issue to to work through because I'll throw around a term called predatory lending. Mm-hmm. And, Pred- and pred- predatory lending. Predatory lending. Okay. Right. And and but the problem is that that concept is is so muddy in a scenario where it's like no, but the government's guaranteeing the loan. Or we need education. And so I think you made a great statement, which was too many people are in post-secondary education. And, you know, I heard this great stat, something, and again, I think this was on the Human Action Podcast or it might have been another one that I was listening to. Something like, you know, most um, students coming out of a post-secondary education expect to make 100 grand, but the average salary is 50. And so this is where I asked the question, this is why I sort of asked the question earlier what can you have a wasteful education and so some of the reasons we have what i would call wasteful education to your point of the people who are in school who shouldn't be it 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 doesn't actually result in a benefit right so the example that i just gave you the person who comes out of school and is making 50 grand would four years of working experience have been more beneficial to their salary would they actually be making 60 grand instead of 50 grand after four years of working? Had they gone into the field and worked as an apprentice rather than, you know, uh, training in, in a school setting. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, not to, again, there are benefits to school. I'm not trying to say like nobody should be going to school and, and there's no courses that matter, but this is the, the reason I use the term predatory lending is if you, if this was a person who's like, a 22 year old and they're like, Hey, I've got, uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollar business idea. Can I get a loan? Be like, no, why would I give you the money? Like the bank, no bank would give you the money just purely based on like, Oh, I have this hundred thousand dollar idea. When, how is that much different than giving these loans to 22 year old kids going to school? The only difference is the government is saying, yeah, we'll guarantee the loan. So of course they hand it out. Right now, obviously, there's regulations. They put a little bit of stipulations in order to to limit, let's say, fraud, but also to make sure that those who don't need it don't qualify in terms of loans. Right? If your parents can afford it, they don't want to be giving out loans. They want your parents to pay for it is, is sort of what I'm getting at. So predatory lending, though, is like 
the idea that I'm lending to a person who doesn't fully comprehend the consequences. And this is where the unintended consequences of the forgiveness is you're not actually curtailing the detrimental behavior that caused this problem. Mm-hmm. Now, their presumption is that, well, this the, you just need to pay for school. So uh, I've heard this stat. For every dollar the government increases their student loan pool, tuition goes up by 60 cents. Okay. So what that means is when the education system knows that the government's giving out free money, they increase their prices. If you go and look at these schools, or they have insane cash balances. They have an endowment, you know, obviously there's levels of like who's the donor and whatnot, but these schools mm-hmm. themselves are getting filthy rich, right? Talk about NCAA. I've had a podcast on that, but a whole different, you know, rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. There's money being made by these schools excessively. And based on what you said, that's because they have an exceptionally, no, sorry, not exceptionally. They have an increase in students who shouldn't be there. And why are they there? Because the Mm. government's handed out free money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they didn't comprehend that, hey, guess what? I'm going to be paying the, you know, they call it the cradle to, what is it? What was it? Cradle to college? Cradle to college. It's called, in, in essence, though, it's basically the college to grave debt problem. Right. Like that, that's really like they're talking about, oh, we're investing in cradle to college. The problem is that for many of these people who are celebrating the student loan forgiveness, it's because it was college till grave. They were holding this debt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, one thing I, re- I do want to say with regards to unintended consequences, like I'm not, you know, telling anyone who got this, you know, debt forgiveness, don't take advantage of it. I mean, I'm the first one to say we're giving government way too much money. If you have any way of cutting back the taxes or getting some of that money back from them, take it. The problem is, you know, if we want to get like the unintended consequences that they're actually also using a false term, like this isn't debt forgiveness, right? Like the school is not forgiving the tuition debt from the student who can't Mm -hmm. pay. Right? Like Mm -hmm. the, the lender is a third party the school is the beneficiary of the free money and the government is basically telling the lender, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll settle with you. Right. So debt forgiveness is in a prince in a simple context would be the debtor forgiving the debtee or, or the person who borrowed the money. Mm-hmm. Right. But we're now basically coming along going, oh, OK, we're going to the taxpayer is going to settle your debt. Mm-hmm. And, and so the, the idea being moral hazard in that if the school was the one who had to take on the cut because they gave an education to someone who then couldn't earn enough money to pay back the education, the school should be taking a haircut, right? The school should be forgiving part of the debt, Mm -hmm. but no, no, we're, we don't, we're not messing with the education. Right? Why? Oh, they're 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 in bed with the the government, right? They they've got their donations, they got their you know perks. The government doesn't want to cut their hair. No, no, they're just going to tax the middle class uh-huh. to pay. And and if anything, you know, it's not like there's an endless supply of tax resources. So, I think it's something like thirteen percent of Americans have student loan debt. How if many? You have a t- 
like I think it's like something like 13%. I'm pulling that based on one of Sam's tweets that said something like 87% of people don't have a debt or something. Or, or mm. like, but my point is that there's a very small portion of the of the populace that has a student loan debt because not everybody can go to college. But all the people who are in the middle class that didn't go to college are now subsidizing the college educated kid or not educated college kid. Yeah, that's what I mean, right? Like they're not the person who didn't go to college is now having some of their tax resources that could have been allocated to something that helped them allocated to the person who's likely making more money than them because they have a college education. So like who actually bears the burden of this debt forgiveness is going to be most likely lower class people are going to bear some of the burden for the higher class person to have their debt settled. Right. 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 Not, and so, not to mention the inflation as well. Well, and, and I mean, that's a whole, you know, how, where's the tax dollars coming from? Is it, are they, you know, increasing the debt, which is then going to be paid by the, the, you know, next generation or, or are we, you know, inflating the money supply in order to, you know, there's layers to that question. We can go down the rabbit hole, but the point, your point, right? Inflation. What is the consequences of how we pay this? Where is that going to flush itself out in the economy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. So the 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 Christian circle divide is uh, enjoying one particular word in this uh, forgiveness, which mm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, the politicians love to name things with a little bit of double speak. As I already mentioned, it's not really forgiveness. It's not really forgiveness. Yeah. Well, um, so there was a a post um, that uh, that uh, um, I had from. Uh, this gentleman that I follow on on Facebook and on Twitter, um, his name uh, BJ Thompson. Uh, he is a public figure, author, um, relationship counselor, uh, life coach. Uh, good guy, good dude. Um, I actually uh, met him uh, when he came to Toronto. Uh, he had a, a meetup at a coffee shop, and you know, oh, yeah, yeah, got to meet him. I remember that? Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's BJ. So BJ uh, made a comment that uh, kind of uh, caught fire, and uh, and we could talk about it. And he said, "If student loan forgiveness alleviates human suffering, it is a good and godly act." Agree or disagree, Joel? And this was posted. Um, this was posted yesterday. So I mean, I could be a very smart ass. <laughs> Very big one, and say if I just substituted student loan forgiveness with something controversial like prostitution, if prostitution alleviates human suffering, it is a good and godly act. Now, the point I'm trying to make is a bit of hyperbole to demonstrate that alleviating human suffering, and you might challenge me to say, oh, well, that's not, you know, your example doesn't, well, what about the person who's confined to a wheelchair? and doesn't have the ability to have sexual relations. Mm -hmm. They're in human suffering from being deprived. So again, I just use that as a rabbit trail to be like, I, I can literally cultivate an example, in my opinion, that prostitution can be substituted into this sentence. And I would hope that most Christians would go, okay, yeah, that's kind of a problem, right? Like I, I'm saying it intentionally being contradictory. Like it, it, my example, I don't think that alleviating human suffering is a is a biblical principle. It's it's not something that I can judge whether something is 
sinful or righteous. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I see where you're coming from. I I think in the in the thread, um, you know, the, the, these threads are always good, and so you know, he had a good conversation going, and and I thought there were the three great points that I saw in 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 the response to his comment, and one was, uh, what if alleviating suffering uh, for some for some causes for some causes uh, suffering for others. So that was one. Mm. And then um, things like uh, psychedelics, suicide, and many others uh, have been, you have been said to do the same thing uh, have been, mm. to alleviate suffering. And then another person brought up the issue of um, maybe, maybe, but where do you draw the line? If my mortgage payment were forgiven, it would end a lot of suffering in my life. But I signed a contract stating that I would that I would pay it, not someone else via taxes or forcing my mortgage company to forgive it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were good points. But um, I wanted to ask you what you thought of Sam's article. Um, Sam says article: Why Christians shouldn't support student loan forgiveness. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's trying to make the case against. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say that. I think he's he's building a case for this in principle through government why it's a problem. What he the problem I think that that many people who read his article if I was to take so his headline is why Christians shouldn't support student loan forgiveness. He almost should have put student loan forgiveness in quotations to represent the political action as opposed to an individual scenario is not what he's talking about. Right. Like mm-hmm. he's not talking about Christians not supporting a particular loan being forgiven under a particular context, especially if you're a Christian and you're the lender. That's not what he's referring to. And and so, I mean, I had someone um, on my Facebook essentially say, you know, they were sort of challenging whether or not because I shared Sam's article. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were challenging whether or not Sam was eisegeting any of the text. And, and my response was, you know, I think this this issue requires pulling text from multiple places, which obviously makes you more prone to eisegesis than, you know, just one text and reading it exegetically. But I would challenge that I didn't see anything wrong. I didn't see any interpretations wrong. If anything, someone could argue his applications were incorrect or not relevant. Um, not to say that I, I thought that they weren't or were. Um, just that I think that's where there's a potential argument to be had with his position would be the application of these principles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that for many people, they just view government as a default, taxes as a default. And so to say that we shouldn't increase taxes to do something that helps people, I think is just like a foreign concept. Like they almost can't even process it. And so I, I just find that um, I thought Sam made a lot of good points in his article. Um, I mm-hmm. think this is why debt forgiveness on a political scale has problems. And to some extent, he's talking about the principles that are being ignored when we do this. Again, not saying a particular loan shouldn't be forgiven. What about you? Mm-hmm. What's your what's your take on Sam's article? Um, uh, I, I can see, I can see areas where, where, where there could be some pushback. Um, 
So like, for example, he says, therefore, one of the reasons why Christians shouldn't support student loan forgiveness is because it promotes wickedness. The Bible says the wicked borrows, but does not pay back. Psalm 37, 21. Um, but then, you know, someone can make the argument and say, oh, what about the year of Jubilee? Right. Mm-hmm. Where every seven years um, in Israel, you know, people would forgive people's debts. Right. And then, you know, you can say that, okay, well. So, so maybe- I got a question for you on that. Do you think that that impacted the loans in year six? What do you mean? So year of Jubilee is next year. Mm-hmm. You want to borrow 50 grand. Yeah. Why would I lend it to you? You're because... going to just forgive it next year. It means I'm not going to get my money back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's a good question. Um, that that I would have to go back to the drawing so, board so and look at. The point, but... sorry, just to be clear, the point I'm trying to make is that knowing that ahead of time impacts decisions. So when someone's like, oh, what about the year of Jubilee? Well, they're suggesting it in a way that's like throwing it out there, it's going to happen without that being a pre-understood cultural norm right that, that was my point that like when we're talking about the year of jubilee in year six someone knows year of G- jubilee is next year it's not like all of a sudden year of jubilee just shows up and you know now everyone now obviously this is a obscure trying to point i'm trying to make but i'm just saying it's like they're not hashing out what is the year of jubilee and how would it apply they're just throwing out well they did debt forgiveness year of jubilee Mm-hmm. Right, like it, it's, it's not a well thought out argument. Is really what I'm trying to say because there's so, so much nuance. Yeah, no, no. What I'm saying is that the year of jubilee is the year of jubilee. Mm-hmm. Right, irrespective yeah. of uh, <laughs> who, who's going to take the loan out the day before, <laughs> the day before the jubilee against his forgiveness. The point is, there's the year of jubilee, and it is what it is. When God says, "Yo, forgive and let people go," whether you have a slave servant. Or um, you have uh, you have land that you've borrowed, or whatever the case may be. Um, that's an argument some people may may say, and, and they may say, okay, well, um, Biden is uh, showing forgiveness. He's uh, showing grace. Um, he's 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 setting um, that person free. And then um, and then the other part in his article where he says. Um, Another reason why Christians shouldn't support student loan forgiveness is because it's um, it's partiality. Uh, Biden's plan would only apply to individuals who earn less than one hundred twenty-five thousand a year. But what makes a person who earns um, one hundred twenty-four thousand a year more deserving of forgiveness? In fact, what makes a person who earns twenty thousand a year more deserving of forgiveness than a person who makes one hundred twenty-five thousand a year? And so the you know the pushback someone may give is that um you know there's a uh, i can't remember what passage in luke but you have a where the landowner forgives um one person and not another or one person gets more than another person even the one person the person who came to work longer um got paid the same as someone who came to work less um for us who consider ourselves reformed in our doctrine and we believe in um election right um someone may say okay well you know, God forgives one person and doesn't forgive another. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so those are some of the, those are some, I guess, some of the exegetical um, issues that, that someone could pick apart. But I, I, I will say this. Um, I will say this. I, I think, I think his conclusion was excellent. 
Um, and he says, therefore, it shouldn't surprise us that a time that at a time when Americans, especially poor Americans, are already suffering uh, record high inflation, Obama's and Biden's top economic advisor during Obama's presidency, Larry Summers, uh, warned that student loan forgiveness would make inflation even worse, meaning um, that though 87% of Americans do not have student loan debts, 100% of Americans would pay for Biden's plan. According to the Penn Wharton budget model, this would cost Americans between $300 billion and $980 billion over the next 10 years. In other words, Biden is... Biden's student loan forgiveness isn't real forgiveness. It doesn't cancel an, an, an individual's debt. It redistributes their debt and forces others to pay for it. Student loan forgiveness is like a person who, forgive, who forgives an individual of their debt by harassing the debtor's grandparents until they pay for it. Student loan forgiveness doesn't forgive anyone. It penalizes everyone. I think I think that's on point. And I think um, I'll go back to one sentence here where he says it doesn't cancel an individual's debt. It redistributes their debt and forces others to pay for it. So that I think that classification would largely be rejected for many who want to argue that this is a Christian thing. And that goes back to what I was saying about like taxes are a default. Government's a default. You know, that sort of approach there's a, a difficulty in sort of comprehending that no like what is taxes really um and so i think to the, the other example you gave right where you said about um essentially the master treating people differently i think you know i don't know if it's in sam's article or sam had a tweet or or maybe i'm remembering it from somewhere else but there was an argument made that would counter that that would say something to the effect those those people all agreed to those situations in advance, right? Like they voluntarily or consensually agreed to the terms on a one-by-one -one basis. Mm -hmm. And so the application of those texts to this context, in my opinion, is more of an eisegesis. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't critique Sam's application of his particular text. But but what I'm trying to say is, while they give you a counterexample, the nuance of the context sort of makes the counterexample not really apply. And, and it goes back to me, in, in my opinion, to that sentence. It's an individual debt that's redistributed. If you're not going to view it that way, then you're going to have a hard time hearing a lot of what Sam says. Because his critiques are almost resting on recognizing that this is just a debt redistribution solution that feels like debt forgiveness to the person who had $10,000 erased off their debt. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know people, I, I mean, I had a couple comments on my Facebook posts about, you know, how, how heavy this debt is or, or how, you know, it's beneficial to them. You know, one of the person was like, you know, of course, this is from a Canadian who doesn't have American student debt. Um, and, and so, <laughs> you know, I, I have I want to say I have a level of, you know, I, I'm 
you know, happy for anyone who this is going to help and relieve in their life. Like I'm not, that's not, you know, but the point is really, I think for the discussion and especially those with debt, it's very difficult for those with a debt to understand why this is fundamentally just perpetuating the same problem. Um, I think I saw, oh, I'm trying to think, I think there's a tweet. I'll see if I can find it. Um, that, or maybe it was a Facebook post that I already shared that talks about essentially like, you know, four years from now, the debt's going to be back at the exact same level. And, and, and so this is the point. This, this will do nothing to prevent future debt from growing. This will do nothing that stops to, uh, tuition from growing at a 1200% over the time frame that other things are going up by like 300%. Right. So like the mm -hmm. price of tuition is just out of control. That's the problem. This does nothing to address it. And so while it's, it's symptom management, you know, by government again, as opposed to what's the root cause of this problem, let's address the root cause. Unfortunately, the root cause is government guaranteeing all the loans in the first place. So what's your what's your two cents? Uh, what do you want to leave the listener with? I probably already gave my two cents uh, without you asking for it. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, but my two cents is. That. People should take responsibility for their dreams and aspirations. Right. Um, you know, whether you call it luck or divine providence um sometimes we, we we take a leap of faith and and it, it doesn't work out the way we we thought it would and and i and i spoke to a lot of customers back when i was working student loans and a lot i had tons of conversations about people kind of pleading with me like i have a magic button that was always the joke customers would call and say um yo like do you do, do you have a magic button to make my loan disappear <laughs> Um, you know, is there forgiveness? And, you know, and, you know, uh, as I was coming to the, you know, at, at one point I was just like, you know, Hey, Hey, Jesus forgives the government doesn't. <laughs> right. Like I, I just, I just like, like I had to let her know, like, yo man, oh, yo, only God can forgive. Right. The government can't forgive. It just redistributes, um, another person's debt sin to somebody else to pay. Um, and, and that would lead into my second point that, you know, forgiveness only comes through, um, atonement and that, um, you know, we know that Jesus Christ dies on the cross, pays for our sin. And that's real, um, debt forgiveness, right? Our sin debt has been forgiven. And so we have real forgiveness because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. The student loan <laughs> forgiveness falls short because, uh, the government, <laughs> Biden just <laughs> takes the baggage off somebody else and puts it on <laughs> another person. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, yep. yeah. So it, it's just, yeah. So, um, you know, for the listeners, look, man, everything that glitters and gold. And that's my yep. two cents. Yeah. 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 The government just, uh, redistributes your debt. You know, there ain't no debt forgiveness from government. Gov forgiveness only comes from Christ, right? True forgiveness. God saves. The government doesn't. And on that, six cents makes change. But you heard me. Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media.